of the things we've been doing over the last nine weeks or so together is noting that God uh, reveals who he is in the Old Testament, and he reveals himself as a God who is present with his people, a God who is faithful to his people, a God who is committed to his world and to his people, and in that way blesses them. And he calls us to do the same, to be committed to the world, not to abandon it, not to turn our backs on it, not to see it as lost and beyond hope, but to be faithful to the tasks that we have been given and in that way bless it, to be present. And so we continue in that look this morning in the book of Deuteronomy, the fifth book of our uh, God's Word this morning, and the first uh, couple chapters of Judges, which is our seventh book. So if you want to turn in your Bibles to uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, we'll be there for a little while. You can also follow on uh, up on the screen or along on your phones if you'd like. Let's begin with prayer. Gracious God, as we open your word this morning, we ask for you to be present with us by your Spirit as we study, as we learn, as we grow. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. This morning we have two texts. The first is from Deuteronomy. And Deuteronomy is a unique book of the Bible in that it is uh, perhaps the only book of the Bible that includes a whole sermon. It's almost entirely a sermon that Moses preaches to the Israelites while they are standing on the banks of the Jordan River. And so God has brought his people out of Egypt. He has brought them to uh, the place where they are ready to cross the Jordan River and go into the land of promise. And so uh, this river is not very far. It's not like looking out over the Lake Michigan where you can't see the other side. It's just a few uh, dozen feet. It's like right there. And so the people of God can see exactly where God is bringing them. And God has Moses deliver this last lecture of sorts. Uh, what is the life of blessing? What is the life of curse? How are you to behave? What are you to remember? Who are you to be? So that's our first passage in Deuteronomy chapter uh, 6. This is what God wants you to remember. And our second text from Judges is a glimpse into what happens when they forget. What happens when they forget? And there's something about living in a world of Snapchat and Instagram and Facebook and Insta News and microwavable rice and microwavable soup and where everything is immediate, where we forget. We forget how to make bread from scratch. We forget how to communicate. We forget what is most important and we forget what God has told us to remember. And so this morning, that's our challenge with these two texts. Deuteronomy chapter 6. We'll start at verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you Lie down, and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your door, hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your house and on your gates. 
Most of us who have uh, been in education over the last couple of years, or maybe even uh, remember as students, uh, people talk about three ways of learning, right? There's three styles of learning. There's the visual, there's the audi- audible, the auditory, and then there's the kinesthetic. And so uh, some of us learn by seeing. We watch Uh, When there's stuff up on the screen, our eyes are immediately drawn to it. And if we're going to remember anything, it's an image that's up on the screen or it's something that we see. Others of us, if we had our uh, preference, we would turn all the lights off. We would uh, just listen. In fact, if we could just sort of plug in the earbuds directly to whatever is going on up front, we would listen because the way we remember, the way that we learn and process information is by listening. Others of us, we need to learn by activity. And so we've got uh, some towels up here that uh, we'll, uh, we're going to be using as we think about uh, the message this morning. And uh, I want us to think about how you learned how to fold towels, okay? So the way that I learned how to fold towels for our audible auditory learners is you fold it in half, you fold it in half, and then you fold it in thirds. You fold it in half, you fold it in half, and then you fold it in thirds. For those of us who are visual learners, for those of us who are kinesthetic learners, come get a towel. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, but if you're going to learn how to fold a towel, and you're going to learn how to fold a towel correctly, because there is only one right way to fold a towel, You fold it in half, you fold it in half, and then you fold it in thirds. And some of us, when we were learning how to fold towels, uh, we had to listen, right? Mom or dad or grandpa and grandma, whoever it was that was teaching us how to fold towels, and maybe it was different in different homes, we would listen to them. Others of us had to watch, right? The way we learn is by watching someone else do it. And we can't just watch it once, we have to watch it more than once. And others of us, we had to stumble along. We had to do it a couple of times before we could get it just right and we could, we could learn how to do that well. And there's something about this passage, this passage in Deuteronomy, which is an incredibly well-known passage. It's one of the most well-known passages uh, for Jews and Christians alike. And it tells us that as God is telling his people about what to remember, he doesn't just have them listen. He doesn't just have them see. He doesn't just have them practice. Hear, O Israel. So listen in. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Then he says, I want you to impress them on your children. In other words, I want you to talk about them. I want you to model for them so that they will see them. And I want you to do that in a way that allows them to also do that with you. There's something in this short, very brief passage in which God is connecting Israel to the various ways in which, however we are wired to learn, God is saying, I want to make sure that I'm connecting with you, whether you are listening, whether you are seeing, or whether you are practicing, that this is what life is with me as my people. This is what it looks like. The other thing that we see in this passage is that it's not just one time a week. 
Or maybe this is obvious, but, but Moses, by God's inspiration, says, this is something that you've got to do every day. When you get up and you put cereal on the table, when you get up and you get in your car and turn on the radio, when you, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, this is the life you need to engage in. And one of the challenges that we face as we think about sort of the practice of this, the practice of learning how to fold towels, is that all of our technology doesn't necessarily help us. It doesn't necessarily help us to remember. We have a laundry basket up here because the truth is that putting clean towels in a laundry basket is a lot easier. If you do the laundry, they're all clean, right? Why not just put them in the laundry basket and call this clean basket? And then if you need a towel, you get one out of the clean basket. Right? Some of us maybe are thinking, I've tried this at home, but nobody wants to go along for the... Just a question. Clean towels and dirty towels look like this. How many of you have ever taken a dirty towel and folded it? Right? We clean towels, we take clean towels and we fold them so they're different. Maybe we're taking dirty towels when we're packing up from a long trip or something to confine space. But for the most part, things that are dirty look like this. And we've learned that over time. We've sort of learned that process. We've learned how to go about doing that. And we've learned that clean things look like this. This is the process that you communicate to other people who come into your home. Uh, people who come in contact with you that if you want a clean towel, you know which one you're going to grab. But again, if we don't continue to impress that, if we don't continue to learn that, if we don't continue to stress that, then we're sort of all on our own every single day trying to figure out a new rhythm of what to do with towels. Why would we want to figure out a new routine every single day when it comes to towels? And yet, for many of us, especially in the world that we're living us in, we're so inundated, we're so told by everything around us that what happened before is easily forgettable and what is most important is the here and the now and the only now. But remembering matters. Deuteronomy. Or excuse me, that's Deuteronomy. Let's go ahead to Judges. I'm not going to read all of these verses because you'll be able to see quite quickly that they're repetitious. But after Deuteronomy, we get the book of Joshua, and Joshua is the leader of conquest. And so he helps the people get into the land of promise. He helps them to settle. He designates the land. He puts in the markers, the orange uh, stakes in the ground so everybody knows where they live. He plots everything out, and then he, he passes on. And the book of Judges begins. And what we see immediately 
is that the people of God did not do what they were told they should do. God in Deuteronomy said, if you are going to be a pure people set apart by me to follow after me, you need to drive out the nations. To be a people of blessing, you must drive out the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Zebuzites and all those ites out of the land. And yet we watch. Manasseh did not drive out the people. And the Canaanites were determined to live in that land. Verse 28, when Israel became strong, they pressed the Canaanites into forced labor, but never drove them out. In verse 29, it's not just Manasseh, it's Ephraim does not drive out the Canaanite. Verse 30, Zebulun did not drive out the Canaanite. Verse 31, Asher did not drive out the Canaanites. The Asherites lived among them. The Naphtalites did not drive them out. The Danites don't drive out the Amorites. In other words, all of these tribes which, whose task it is to drive out the nation so that they can be the light in which God shows himself faithful and present and committed to the world, they do not do so. In one generation, they have forgotten. And that's the horrible tragedy of verse 10 in chapter 2. After that whole generation had been gathered up to their ancestors, another generation grew up who neither knew the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. It's an article a couple of years ago that talked about a group of people called the Inuits. They live in the Arctic Circle. And the Inuits have been exposed to GPS. Before GPS, the Inuits would, could walk around a completely landmarkless land and know where they were and where they were going based on the stars, the wind, the snowdrifts alone. And yet now that GPS has entered in, they are no longer able to do that. And when GPS fails, they don't know where they are. A decade ago, Rory Kay, veteran United captain who served as the top safety officer of the Airline Pilots Association, put bluntly, quote, we are forgetting how to fly. And the FAA was so concerned that pilots were relying on autopilot that they issued a safety warning urging pilots to actually fly when they are in the plane. I bet when you were younger, those of you who are under, let's say, 30, when you were a teenager, you could rattle off 30 phone numbers without a hitch. 30 addresses without trying. Could you name three? We've had trouble getting our kids to memorize two. Technology is wonderful, but it does impact our ability to remember. And it becomes much easier to simply have a laundry basket that is full. And if we don't really remember if it's clean or dirty, we'll just do the laundry again. much harder to remember what God has been doing 
and force ourselves, maybe not force, but continue to root ourselves in those practices. One of the things in Deuteronomy chapter 6 that Moses talks about is write it on the door frames of your house. On the door frames of every house, every year, the Israelites would take the blood of the lamb and they would paint the door frames as a reminder of the Passover. Can you imagine walking into the house? They didn't take that off. They didn't have magic erasers. They didn't have Mr. Clean. The blood stayed there every year. Every year when you walked into the house, the blood of the lamb was right there as you walked in. That's an uncomfortable memory, blood. And yet God wanted his people to remember exactly what he had accomplished for them. I've joked with uh, worship planners. I don't know if it's back here or not. I'll just grab this. I've, I've joked with worship planners that what I'd like, really like to do with a baptismal font is to stick it out in the middle of the fellowship area and fill it with water right to the brim in hopes that every week someone who's not paying attention will back into it and get wet. So we remember our baptism. But if we're not intentionally brought in contact with what God has said about us and each other, it's easy to just have it sit that deep. It's striking that one of the last things Jesus says to his disciples is do this in remembrance of me. And one of the things that we see in God's people, and we see this not just in Judges, as a cycle, the wrong cycle. We see it in the Samuel, we see it in Kings, and the reality is we see it in the church of every generation. The challenge of God's people is to remember well. And to do that in a way that in some ways is a bit uncomfortable. Right? The, the smallest of discomforts is that when we have baptism and communion, the service goes a little long. And some of us, that's just, that's so hard. And yet, that's a minor discomfort. How much more might we commit ourselves to the difficult work of remembering what God has accomplished for us? That God has saved us out of slavery and bondage. And he invites us to look back and see that. In Deuteronomy, God says, don't rest because God rested. Rest on the Sabbath day because you used to be slaves. You used to not get a day off. Remember how I rescued you out of that life. And now in the land of promise, I want you once a week to remember what life used to be. I'm not sure what that looks like for you. I'm not sure what that looks like for us as a church. What it is that is our towel, so to speak. That's the easy place for us to just sort of accept the ease of forgetting. But if we are going to be a people who are able to bless the world, part of that involves remembering what God has done in our long-time past in our recent past, 
so that we know what to look for in the here and the now. Let's pray. God, memory welds us to you. It solidifies for us that we are people of promise. It is not difficult to look through history and see how forgetting leads to chaos. Chaos for nations, chaos for families, chaos for individuals. And one of the things that you invite your people to right before they enter the land of blessing and promise is to remember. And in some ways, every Sunday morning when we gather together as the saints, you invite us to remember. Remember that we believe in God the Father, Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. To remember that we believe in Jesus Christ, his Son, our Lord. And to believe and to remember that we believe in the Holy Spirit, and that we have been set apart to do good works, which you have prepared, uh, been preparing for us in the creation of the world to do. And so God, as we wonder about remembering, challenge us. We would pick up our phones or when we turn on the radio. Challenges us when we can't remember the phone number or the email address or the name and that way, maybe prick in us a recommitment to remember what you have done. Not just in the biblical story, but in ours. So in that way, we can respond with lives of blessing. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.